millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Yesterday must have been a big day for you, because on the one hand, you've got the single... And you got the video came out yesterday too? Did, yeah, yeah, yeah. We shot it was it was a big day. It was a big day. It's um we uh I I had this period where I shot like seven videos in two weeks. So <laughs> I was like <laughs> not that it was only a couple of weeks ago to be fair. But um yeah, it was hectic. It was hectic. But yeah, we, we dropped like the visual and and the song on the same day, which we don't often do. But we, we just I decided I wanted to do it because the visual was so strong. It just felt so fitting as well. So, like, yeah, I dropped the visual and the and the song on one day. So, and on top of that, you also had the MasterChef final, which I imagine is also a big day. Yeah, but I actually love <laughs> MasterChef, but I haven't been watching it because I've been so bloody busy with the album. But like, I definitely MasterChef's like low key one of my most favorite shows on TV. So yeah, I need to catch up with that for sure. I'm it's good comfort TV. Yeah, we love it. We love it. It's it, it, it completely like the best cooking show on TV, in my honest opinion. Better than like I don't, I'm not a fan of Bake Off, man. Bake Off lost that gets a lot of BBC. hype. It got a lot of hype. Yeah, it got a lot of hype. But I was I'm, I'm a Master Chef guy through and through. Yeah, yeah, I'm loyal. I'm loyal to them, bro. Are you a big chef yourself? You big cook? Alex, I'm a chef's. I'm an absolute <laughs> chef's. You know what it is? Lockdown because I live alone, so I feel like I just have to be um, a bit of a chef's. I have been chefing it up in lockdown. A lot, a lot actually um, it's just good because it's like taught me because I haven't had a lot of time because be, I was like tour and I'm like back and forth because I'm like signed in America so um, yeah so I'm like back and forth so much usually I never like have time to cook but like, I've had so much time at home that I think my like cooking skills have definitely improved I would say some people might not say but I would say um, throughout the last year so do you have like a specific kind of set things that you go for in terms of dishes or are you just kind of scattershot all over the place in terms of what you're cooking no i think i definitely have yeah i think i'm trying to like cook like just like really clean at the moment because like i went i went through like the winter lockdown and then woke up in like january and stepped on the scales and i was like oh <laughs> <laughs> oh okay that's happened has it i was like brilliant 
absolutely sick. So, uh, yeah, so I had a bit of like a panic. I was like, I've definitely got an album coming out in like six months. So I should probably try and get into some sort of shape. Um, so yeah, I'm just trying to eat like cook really clean stuff, like, uh, like really, I won't bore you with it, but like really like high protein stuff and, and that's it. But yeah, that's basically that, man. Do you have a, like a love of process? Do you think that's where it comes from? In the same way of like, is there a link there between the songwriting and the cooking in any way? You know what it is? I think, I think it is, you know, I was saying this to someone actually, would you say that like not that long ago? I think it's like, I love the fact you can create like something out of nothing, almost like you have to, it's like writing a song is very similar to cooking in that sense. You come up with these like little like ingredients and these like completely like solo items and then you create it into this big dish. Like I love when people are like, I hate like cooking for like four hours and then you're done in like 20 minutes and that for me like I love that I love the fact you can like slave over a stove for like four hours and then at the end of it you got this like (laughs) not when I cook but you got this like beautiful meal to like sort of like marvel over afterwards and I think like that's not that's really like I find that really thrilling so I think I guess it's the same with songwriting right there's like in the sense that you start from nothing, you start from absolute scratch, and then you have these like little ideas, which is like like ingredients, and then you come together, and then you have this this work afterwards that you can sort of like sit back and be like, oh, that like four hours ago, that was nothing, you know. And I guess it's the same with cooking. So, well, I see it like that, anyways. So yeah, I guess there is definitely a link there. I guess with songwriting, though, you don't know straight away what the ingredient is exactly and how it's going to be used. Mm. like at what point do you kind of identify a melody or a lyric or a phrase that comes to you at what point do you kind of discover the role it's going to play within the song itself yeah i think i think for me alex it's like um i i'm always i've got a very good idea about what i'm going to write about because like everything that i have written and released has always been so so true to like what's happened in my life and i think for me i don't see it as a positive and a negative like everything that i've written has it's been so true to what's going on in my life at that time of writing. And that's why it's like, even like I've got some hella sexual, bro, some <laughs> dirty, dirty songs. I'm talking smack, but like, that's just something I was going through at the time. And and I think if, if that's what I was writing about at the time, there's obviously something I was going through at the time, which is quite funny to see where I was at and look back and sort of see like the timeline. That's very, very current in the album as well to sort of see like what sort of, um, like journey I was going through like the you see the plateaus of like me like in like out in and out of relationships and stuff as well um so I went on a tangent there but yeah yeah I definitely yeah agree when well it's interesting you you're talking there about how when you look back you can see those different moments in your life and you see them throughout the album the ups and downs because Hourglass was written a few years ago right or that experience that came from one a few years ago yes it's a song I wrote like in 20 19 maybe 2018 like i think early 2019 i think i wrote it so long time ago but yeah it, go, it goes back to a time which is so so different to what i'm going through now but it's really nice to sort of see that journey and like as i said like very 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 current in in, in the theme of the album it's just like what i was personally going through like uh from start to finish it's like you can actually see the journey of like and i think i'm trying to like when, when I plot out the album, like, track list, I'm trying to plot it out to sort of see in, like, a chronological order almost, like, because then I can sort of, so you can see the journey almost in the music, and that's something which I'm, I'm trying to come across in the album. How did that song change when you, Hourglass, when you brought it in 
to the vision for the record? If it was written a couple of years ago, did it develop yeah. and shift when you took it into this soundscape in this place? Lyrically, it, it stayed the same. It stayed the same lyrically. And um, I think the, the chords, I wrote it with a guy called Louis Matters, who I wrote, um, uh, say, like my, my viral hit. Is what they call it, but I hate calling it that. But uh, until morning, I had a big song called "Until Morning" in 2018, and I wrote it with him. Um, but it, um, I think my sound had just as as artists do, like the sound develops so much in the space of time. And by the time it came to like narrowing down the album, I had such more of like a mellow tone uh, in the way I was delivering my like vocal and the production of the vocal. Where I I got like a vocal engineer for the album as well um which i was really really persistent on like with my labels that i want it to sound so coherent and cohesive so like throughout the project um i think that was like a really key thing and uh, it was like delivering the vocal differently and also got a producer called stint to finish it and he produces for neo and sabrina claudio and galan and like a lot of r&b big heads um so yeah it was just making it sort of fit really it's like the lustful uh driving groove that we've got like throughout the album um upbeat and 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 downbeat uh down tempo um so yeah just trying to make it fit that and it, it, it was great i've had it for ages though so we went through quite a lot of people to try and get it right and i was it was a point when i was like, i don't think it's gonna make it and then till stint took it and did his he did a lot of um like sound design in it a lot of like sounds and stuff um which feature a lot on the album and i'm really into that trying to make it fit so but yeah but yeah we, it was a real journey trying to get to it but we got it in the end where where was it written in relation to until morning in terms of timeline wise um i wrote until morning uh right at the beginning of 2018 uh released a year it. later yeah released it yeah released uh, until morning uh may 2018 and then i would have written about just about a year later i reckon i think so yeah i would have written it about a, a year later with louis and uh, jay warner as well we wrote it with them them two in the studio and then sat on it for about a year and a year and a half i think i think stint t- took it like the end of last year it was a late edition um so i had it for a good year and a half as i said like we tried different variations with it and it was just sounding quite like pop heavy and it was very because it is a four to the floor song as well um which is something i don't often do but i really wanted something in the album that was going to have a four to the floor but still felt like in that world which i'm trying to create for myself uh which was a real challenge actually is trying to make a four to the floor song uh in a in a down tempo r&b album but we uh we got i think we i think we smashed it actually and stint smashed it especially uh trying to make it feel feel like it's got that driving dance sort of groove but not make it a dance record was a challenge but we i think we got there in the end so i mean the thing with four to the floor is it's always gonna work so it's about working out for you work and i use this in a place it's gonna most benefit because you don't want to use it on every song i mean i know some no. people do but yeah and for me like i'm i'm i love like a six eight i love a song in six eight where i can just do like a slow jam like you would have a song something i love like writing songs that you could have like a first dance that's like where i feel like strongest as a writer um and i feel like it's strongest as like a a performer is singing something which is slow and down tempo but like, i can't write i can't write a 10 track album with 
full balance like my name's not Adele do you know what I mean like I can't I can't do that <laughs> so, do you know what I mean like I just can't do that so um as much as I would love to but like, I think people would get bored so I have to change it up you know which I'm glad I did so it wouldn't be authentic to the range of experiences you're covering either though exactly like kind of pulling you exactly. in different directions exactly and that's exactly it and a song which is so lustful and uh in in not like a, a a manic way it is like a lustful um like sort of end of the night song but like it's not a slow jam it wouldn't feel right in keeping it like any other way so you have to sort of give it that that groove but yeah really happy if that turned out so yeah it's got the same kind of it's interesting you wrote it with louis as well because it has the same kind of rawness a until morning yeah like I it's agree. got that yeah. same thing at the heart i think probably because of the lustful side to it it's got that kind of pure raw emotion to it but then you're doing something slightly different with the soundscape around it was that a deliberate thing were you thinking i want to take this emotion that's at the core and try and see what i can do with it in a different setting I think, yeah, you're absolutely right, Brian. I think that's something which I've really carried through, I think, without the whole album. And I think every release I try and put out, I like to think something that I do a lot in my songs is keep everything very raw. And it's purely because like, I don't know how to write any other way. Everything is so personal and it's so, so true to me that everything does come out very raw and very almost harsh at times because it is is like raw elements of the song coupled with like really true lyrics and i think that's and and the melody as well um so it's just trying to find that that balance you know but yeah i I like to think that's something i pride myself on in my work is keeping it really raw but then developing it in an interesting way um through we go like four to the floor we go like different soundscapes as you said um trying to find ways of of doing that but yeah is that why you work with a variety of producers as well to make yeah. it easier to kind of pull it in different directions. I think, yeah, I mean, I've been I've been around for a minute, bro. I've been here, <laughs> I've been around for a while, bro. And uh, no, and I've, I've worked with uh, near enough every producer under the sun in the UK and quite a lot in the US now. Um, but I've definitely, uh, I like to experiment. I like to collaborate with people. I will say like me, as co-writers though, I don't work with a lot of co-writers at all. It's just me. Usually, it's me and a producer. That's where I feel like I work most effectively because I think that like, the music is so so true to what I'm going through at the time, and it's so so real to my life that I think if I had to bring in a co-writer, um, I think I would it would sort of take away that almost. Um, but that's why I like to work with me and a producer, and why I like to experiment with a lot of producers. Um, but now I think I've I've done the rounds. I've done the rounds, and I think I know like who I work strongest with, and that's like my advice to like any. A songwriter that's starting out with their own artist project i think like you've got to do the rounds and find out who you work with because there can be people who are like on paper it's like man city bro don't know if you're a football fan it's man like man city. okay you're man united so it's like man city bro on paper the most flames team but have they won the champions league no they haven't do you know what i mean because like it just doesn't mean because you're on paper you're absolutely like you you think you you work with should work so well doesn't necessarily mean that you know you can just some people you gel with some people you don't and i think you just gotta like do the rounds and find out who you work with them for me like i found who i work well with you know get that chemistry is so important was that something you had done before you went to working on the record yeah no i think so i think um uh in uk wise yeah definitely because i hadn't been to us before i started working on the, on the record but um, I'm, I'm signed in la to records and publishing so but in the uk like there's like three or four producers that I work with and that's Louis, Maths Times Joy, um, who I work with a lot, 
um, trying to think of us grades I work with a lot and I'm sure there's someone else who I'm forgetting and I'm really sorry but um, <laughs> but there's like I've worked with everyone and then I it's mad when you think I've probably worked with 50 to 60 producers in the UK and there's three or four which I'm like consistently in with and then in the US yeah the US was like I had to start all over again you know that like work with like everyone and then just sort of see what clicked and then they're the people that are on the album now and they're the people that I still work with to this day. How quickly into that collaboration do you know that they're one of those special people that you really connect with? I think instantly. I think for me anyways, instantly. I think other people might tell you different. Um, but I, I know, and I think the producer knows as well, like pretty soon into the session, whether you're going to vibe or not. Um, especially as someone, as I said, I don't have a co-writer, so it's just me and a producer. I'm going to know instantly if we're laying down something. Mm, I'm, I'm going to be like, mm, yeah. I think every song on the album that I have is something which came very very naturally to me and i think that's why it it they resonated so well with me those songs is because they came so naturally and the chemistry was so so apparent very soon on from working with them yeah you mentioned your label as well that you have out in la which it's interesting because i remember after you put the color session you spoke about how you got offered a few major label deals but you chose to go with an independent was that a similar thing in terms of connecting is it a similar thing with the producers where you just you met the label and knew straight away that this was going to be the place for you yeah it was it was it was a weird time because it was like i had this like very very viral video um that we did for colors and it, it was it was really cracking on the views and i think it had done like 10 million in like <laughs> six months or something it was like something it was like a crazy. lot it was something crazy and we sort of had every major label was definitely interested i think like at one point we could say like not not every but like definitely some big big dogs and it was it was very very i think the advantage is that i had i've been in music a long time at that point i've been putting out music since like late 2016 and this was like mid 2018 so i've been putting out music and i've been around before that obviously writing and and doing stuff and it was very apparent that like in this industry people are very quick to jump on like viral trends and very quick to jump on like the hype train um which is like what is i don't know people call it and i think people they would come to me and they would be like oh james like we we can make you like the next sam smith and it's like great love sam smith he's sick but i'm nothing like him at all like you've seen like a white boy who sings soulful music and you've thought oh that's like a path that we can go down because we know that works and i don't think that would have worked for me and i don't think i'm like a pop guy a pop star i don't look like that certainly so i just i instantly like dismissed all of that and i'm I, I always knew I was not going to stay in this country with terms of signing like for my first deal because the R&B scene is so stagnant here. Well, it was back in 2018. It's definitely developed since then with like the likes of like Georgia Smith and like Mahalia is doing bits and stuff and Tiana Major 9 like recently like all these guys are killing it. But back in 2018, like th- there was no R&B scene that was being, well, there is un- un- underneath it all there is, but not being plugged properly i thought by like uh the uk big dogs um like radio labels and stuff so i knew that i had to go to america if it was to do r&b um and that's what we did yeah so that was the reasoning behind going for the indie us labels the first song that you put out from the record somewhere out there i like the fact that you open that song with a line 
finally I'm at peace with myself. Was that the opening line? That is, yeah, man. And then yeah. straight away after that, you come in with, but honestly, I still have so much more to give to you. Yeah. Which kind of completely counteracts it and indicates maybe there's not quite the peace that you're indicating from the offset. Do you need, is a certain unrest within oneself, is that key to creativity in that way? Yeah, I think, yeah, bro, it's bang on. It's bang on. That's exactly why I wrote that lyric. Um, well noticed, by the way. Well noticed. But it's, um, yeah, finally I'm at peace with myself. But honestly, I'm so much more to give. There's that, it's like this constant need to not be fully complete and feel like you still have so much more to give um, despite being completely content I know that there's so much more out there for me in terms of finding someone like I'm, I'm complete in like my everything else that's going on and music's going well and everything but like I want to fall in love you know I want to I want to I want to be I want to have a family one day and that's definitely like the reason behind that lyric as well and that song that song like came at me at a really like important time when I wrote it because it was like everything was going so well but I was so lonely and that's what that song's about I was so lonely like traveling back and forth to the states and and everything was going well um which it still is and but I was like super super lonely and like longing for some sort of affection and love which I didn't have at the time and uh still don't now which is like the sad reality of like a traveling musician um but yeah that's exactly what that song's about yeah the thing is you don't notice it either when you're moving so fast and it's only when you come to stop that it kind of all hits you and it's almost harder than if it was there at a constant level all the time yeah yeah, that's exactly it, mate. That's exactly it, yeah. Um, when you're moving, you don't quite notice it. And it's only when lockdown hit, a really big example, when you're back, you're sat in one place and you're like, oh, I'm not happy. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like, um, that's, exactly, that's exactly what it is. What do, you, what do you learn about yourself when that happens? The thing that you've kind of been orbiting around and it's been driving the, your life and your momentum, this traveling back and forth to these sessions. When that's taken away and you're, forced to stand still what do you learn about yourself i think for me i know it was it was tough for me because i think one thing i took from myself is how much i love performing live that's definitely a one thing i took um from that whole situation was was uh and still am now because i can't play live is is that i thrive off being a live performer and i've always always said like you can trace it back i've always been like it goes live performer writer recording artist i always think like that's like how it goes in terms of uh, an artist for me the artist project but um and it was sort of like i wouldn't say like i fell out of love with music in like throughout lockdown but it was like it, it's actually really interesting to like see how much i depended on it like mentally and because i think as a for someone like me I don't care about the numbers like at all. Like numbers is not something which I will ever like really care about. And I probably should, but like for me, like I'll know how well a song I've written and has gone down with is the reaction of a crowd singing it back to me. That's always something I've, if, if I'm singing a song, which has got half a million streams and they're screaming it out loud compared to a song that's got 16 million streams and they're just like jamming along to it. I know for me, which one I'm, more proud of there if that makes sense so that's something i comes down to connection yeah exactly the audience connection with me um and that's something which i like really really thrive off um maybe it's because i'm i don't know a, a bit of like a showboat or something like that. a bit of a show off attention seeker or something but um yeah i've always just really enjoyed playing live so and that's something which i took away from it 
I know you said before as well that maybe two or three weeks before a live show, you'll stop drinking and you'll get on the Manuka honey. Right. Kind of um, yeah, I don't know how you know that, Dave, but yeah, yeah, well done. <laughs> You've man done his research. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so basically, yeah, I, I, I take this, take it very seriously. And it, it people, some people might call me boring. And I know a lot of people, when they're drinking, their voice gets this like really a husky undertone and they love it. For me, my voice goes, I've got such a fragile, I think it's because I've got a lot of like falsetto and my voice, I love to write songs which are really hard to sing as well. <laughs> so um, yeah, for me, I I, I think it because as well, I, I, I was, I trained in like, I trained in opera. That's how I started singing. I, was, I started as an opera singer. Yeah. So I, I, I like grew up looking after my voice so well, like warm up every day. Uh, Manuka Honey is like my best friend still waiting for that endorsement though. <laughs> um, if that comes, we'll see. Yeah. I, I have to look after it, man. I have to look after it. And it, touring is, is, is hard because which I've only done one to be fair, but yeah, I have to really, really, really look after it in terms of like not drinking, not going out too much. If I know like this, like prime example, like the last few weeks, I said we shot seven videos and a lot of them were like singing stuff. So I haven't drunk in a long time um, before that because I knew that I want to like give myself the best chance and give the best performance possible. So yeah, I take it seriously, man. I'm, I'm really fun. That's where. <laughs> <laughs> Do you do you do the same thing before you go into a recording studio? Will you cut it all? Is it a similar process? If I'm if I'm on like a sort of like if I'm going to LA for like three weeks, which is quite often what we did before, I will yeah yeah I will uh I will will not drink before and when I'm there. But if I'm like at home, I'm still living my life sort of thing. I'm not taking it too seriously. But that's why I like associate LA so much with work because I go there right every day for like three weeks sometimes twice a day and then come back absolutely exhausted um so i like i think if i'm drinking then i'm definitely losing my voice at some point um because it's so so hard on my vocal cords but yeah for for, for if i'm going abroad i'll definitely take it seriously but if i'm home it's a little bit more chilled it's a little bit more chilled is there anything you have to do as well to protect the space that you write in like, are there any practices you have to put in place there to ensure that that creative zone is kept yeah in a similar way yeah i think um i think i think yeah as i said like for me right well, writer's block's a thing like it's obviously a thing that we, we all go through as writers and i think for me to sort of have the capacity to write good music i have to live as well and because i like to write so true to what i'm going through and i really strongly believe in that if there's a time when i'm like not able to write because i haven't got anything to say i'll take like a, like a couple of days off week and then go crazy for a bit get my heart broken and then i've got a ton of things to write about you know um so yeah i think that that's the only thing i have like in terms of sort of preparing for for it but but yeah, man, no, no, I, I, no, it's just, it's mainly in terms of like vocal health when I take it really seriously there. You said you started as an opera singer as well. Yeah, yeah I did, yeah. So you go, you go from opera to folk? Yeah, it's, I don't know what happened there. <laughs> That's like yeah. either side of the... Yeah, no, you know. I, yeah, I started in opera because, um, uh, yeah, I, I was, it's like I was trained as, by an opera singer. So I think I just started classical, started opera, then didn't like that because what like 
12-year-old loves opera. From what 12-year-old South London boy loves opera and not me? Well, they might do, to be fair, but I didn't. I definitely didn't. Um, There's got to be one. Yeah, of course there is. There's definitely one. But like <laughs> for me, nah, that was not it. I moved swiftly into jazz um, and, then, and then discovered like D'Angelo at like 16, 15, 16 and like Lauren Hill and slum village and like all of this stuff like like neo soul like music soul child at like 16 and then probably 15 actually and then and then yeah for some reason moved into like this sort of like guitar-y type stuff which is but as this is like i think it i did that because i didn't know how to produce and like i could play guitar like okay like fairly well I think so. Like, I was just, I, I thought like the melodies were really soulful and the, the stuff I was singing about was still the same sort of stuff. But in terms of like that like, sonically and instrumentally, yeah, it was like folky for some reason. But um, that was all the facilities that I had with, like no money and I didn't know how to produce and I like, was really bad at it. So I had, I had to write what I could and then, yeah. It maybe suits like the rawness of your songwriting as well, like what we were saying yeah. about earlier yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, no, it's exactly. a logical place to go for mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, like the rawness definitely is still instilled from back then, uh, like a seventeen-year-old James Vickery to to a twenty-six-year-old now. But yeah, so that's that's definitely like the roots are still strong, which is what I'm, I'm really proud of. So, is it a similar thing melodically? Like when you listen back to melodies you came up with then compared to the ones you do now, do they still have a similar kind of feel and shape to them? Or has that changed to all as a result of moving genres? I, I feel like when I was sort of back then, I think people definitely tried to like direct me away from um, making, I think, I think I'm more experimental and I'm definitely more like jazz inclined and more like R&B based, like, uh, like soulful vocal. I think people were like, no, that's too, that's too, I think the people I surrounded myself with back then, oh, that's too jazzy. That's too jazzy. Whereas someone would never say that to me now. Um, they'd never ever be like, oh, that's way too jazzy. That's way too, that's way too left. Like you don't need to be left. You want to be like middle left. That's where you want to sit. And I think I just surrounded myself with like the wrong sort of people in the terms of what music I wanted to create. Um, so I think that's probably changed a lot. I think as well, um, I wouldn't ever let anyone be like, yeah, you you sing way too jazzy. Because I'd be like, what are you talking about? What does that even mean? Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I think I'm just more, like, really true to myself in, like, the sort of stuff I'm doing now. It's interesting, you like, what you said now, that once you find that group of, you know, we're speaking earlier on about the producers mm. and you find people you like to work with, once you find that, does it almost become easier to channel that rawness and what's true to you? Yeah. Yeah, it does. It does. I think it, it, it's a process though, you know, so it, it does take its time in terms of like being a, being a songwriter. I think like you have to find, it sounds cliche and everyone says it, but it does take time to find your sound. And for me, like going through like that folky thing led me into meeting like R&B producers and then like being like, oh, so even sorry, I meant electronic producers. And then from electronic, I was making like this sort of electronically infused R&B, but didn't really sit well with like the electronic ones and i wanted to make r&b but as i said r&b wasn't a thing that was doing well in this country so i was always pushed away from that um so i was trying to tell earlier but um and then eventually was like no you know what i'm gonna make r&b i really like r&b and then made until morning like and then after that was sort of like 
okay, so I need to be doing You're this. Off. I need to be doing this. Like, I don't know why I've been listening to all these waste, man. Um, <laughs> I'm joking. But, um, but yeah, and then, so as I say, like, you've got to stay true to what you believe in. And I think had I not gone through that, I definitely wouldn't have, uh, have uh, had this, like, raw, emotional undertone in all my music if I'd not gone through that sort of, like, guitar-based, uh, like, folky type stuff originally which is still sadly online somewhere so <laughs> yeah <laughs> that must be really gratifying for you though that when you finally f- do what you really feel is true and what is right for you it takes yeah. off yeah no i think so because i think that it could have gone one of two ways and i think we were we, i was i was really lucky that people did take to it so well and i think um it is definitely a risk hundred percent is definitely a risk because for me like there was no well there was but there was no they weren't plugging r&b like they i felt felt they should uh in this country in 2018 um and something's obviously changed because they love it now all all the big dogs that's interesting that what you're saying there you know when you do what feels true to you for the first time it feels like a risk when you were making it, did you feel like you were in your comfort zone or out of it as a result of that? Because you've kind of you got two things at play yeah, there. Yeah, no, I felt super comfortable and I wrote Until Morning really quickly and it was sort of like, before I think I was trying to merge into a genre which I didn't know a lot about. Like, I don't listen to a lot of electronic music, like, be completely honest, like, I didn't at all. I was listening to, like, soul, like, old soul and old R&B and that was the sort of music which I really always resonated with. Were you listening to Music Soul Child at that time? Oh man, yeah, I've been I've been loving Music <laughs> Soul Child since, since I was like fifteen. That album, I just want to sing. Um, that shaped me as a singer for sure. Like had I not had I not, I think like his like way of like creating harmonies around the lead lyric was something which I like really resonated with, and I've always kind of done. I think as a result of listening to him. It's like call and response type lyric that he uh, type uh, the technique that he does in like a lot of his songs is something which I really really resonated well with me um, as like a young singer growing up and it's something which in this album I do a lot <laughs> so I got like, one song to took huge inspiration from and now I've actually got him on the album which is crazy which is <laughs> is hilarious so uh, and I don't really know how we swung that but it it's happened so I'm, I'm happy with it so what was the connection though how did that link up um what was the connection I my agents had reached so we were looking for a few features on the album there was a couple of songs and I wrote this I was listening to a lot of Bee Gees at the time like a hell of a lot of Bee Gees at the time I go through these phases where I like, I, I know if you do this, Alex, but like, I'll, I'll literally listen to like a band and listen to their whole catalogue and yeah. then I'll move on to the next one and then listen to the whole catalogue. I was listening to the Bee Gees <laughs> all the time for some reason. Couldn't tell you. I might have watched a documentary on them or something. Yeah, there was think, one came out last year, I think. Wasn't yeah, it? I think yeah, that would have been it then. That would have been it. I think my manager might have sent me a, a documentary and then I just ended up listening to the whole catalogue. So everything I was writing was really Bee Gees influenced for so long. But I had this one song uh, called Come To Me, which I wrote with Pomo, the producer, and, uh, and Danny McKinnon. And... I was in LA writing this song and I, I said I wanted to make something that's like How Deep Is Your Love but like more current and more in my world and I had it and then it was great and it had a second verse, I had a first verse and it was done, it was done, it was great 
and I wanted a couple features on the album, which we've got. And one of them, I said I wanted like a legend on the album because I think like a lot of, I've got a few songs like I've released and I'm putting out on the album for sure, which have got this like nostalgic undertone as well, like very like vintage feel. And that I felt was one of them. It's sort of like a song which I felt like you could have heard a couple like 15, 20 years ago like, and still hopefully holds true now. I said I want a legend and I, I spoke to my agents about it and I was like, do you look after anyone who is under that sort of category? And they gave me a list of names and I was like, oh my God, Music Soul Child. Do you, have, you look after Music Soul Child? And they were like, <laughs> oh yeah, we can send it to him for sure. And this happens all the time in music for me. Like you, you, you have a dream, you send it out to them and they never hear back or they're like, oh, this isn't quite right for me or like, quite often the case like I tried something but it didn't quite work so thanks but like no thanks sort of thing sent it to music and he sent it back in like two in like 24 hours he came back with like full harmonies everything super professional like absolute star couldn't believe he came back so quick with it hadn't even spoken about like fees anything he was just down and we had like a long chat about it and he was sort of saying the way that he writes music is like he was like, he couldn't believe how old I was, is what he was saying to me. He's saying like, I couldn't believe you were like 26. I thought you were like same age as him, um, which I don't know how old he is, by the way. I don't want to disrespect him. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but he was sort of saying that he was like the way, he's like, what do you want from music? Like, what what what, what is your goal? And I said, honestly, I just want to make people feel something. Like, that's, that's all it was. I want people, I want to make people feel something. I want to make music that outlives myself. Like if I when I'm gone, I would love people to still be listening to it in some capacity. And he was like, that's so refreshing to hear. He's like, you're making music, which is like very, very like touching to the soul. And he's like, that's exactly why he called his album. I just want to sing. Cause it's all he wanted to do is sing. And it's the sort of same thing that I wanted to do. Um, so I think we just like really bonded in that sense. And yeah. And he was an absolute delight to work with. Like we shot a music video and he was really down to do it. And like quite quite actually quite overwhelming at the time and still is now because this is a guy who shaped me as a singer um would not for sure not be writing music in the same way had i not have heard his albums back in the day i think you spoke about that when the song came out you there was this idea of in order to make something that's timeless you need to pay homage to the great 100 percent. yeah i definitely said that yeah and that is so so true i think if i want I, as i said my goal is to make something which is going to outlive me and in order to do that i'm going to have to take inspiration from people who have already done that do you know what i mean so and for in my opinion and i'm sure many other people's opinion music soul child has, has done that uh, people will be playing music soul child records for the next 50 years for sure um yeah and i hopefully I can try and at least do that. <laughs> you know, so. you said you know paying homage to the greats, and you spoke about making just w this pure idea of making people want to feel something. Those are two really timeless concepts. What else in this record makes it timeless for you? Um, I think like just I think like I said, like you can really clearly see the journey of like what a young 
man growing up in in England like go is going through and I think it's something I'm not afraid to talk about like a mental struggle that I went through on the album which I think like is lost on a lot of R&B music now as well of R&B music is about sex and it's about which is great and it's about love and lust and stuff but I'm like not afraid to talk about like a mental struggle that I was going through and someone that I lost in my life, which is something which I'm, is like the last track on the album is a track called Save You. And it's a gospel song. It's a song that I, I grew up in a church. So this is, I'm like paying homage to like things that I grew up with and, and like really like taking it back and trying to really, really emphasize that on uh, the lyrical side of things. And, and there's a real mix of, R&B music R&B is such a broad genre as we both know like I think one of the broadest if not is such a broad term rhythm and blues so I've really tried to like expand that idea and notion and really like develop different R&B styles and sort of do what comes naturally to me and write under that umbrella the R&B umbrella throughout the whole album is this something you've that idea you're talking about there is that something you've had in your mind for a while because I remember when when the Overture EP came out last year, started last yeah, year, yeah, yeah, last spring, year, yeah. You spoke about that being an introduction to something more substantial. Did you already know what you're talking about there, and what the rest of the story was going to be, and what you yeah, wanted to do? No, for sure. I think that I say like in, introduction to something more substantial. I sort of played around with the idea that this is like there's very different types of R and B in this. I've got this like song called Pressure with S G Lewis, and it's like a very like electronically infused, like sort of like poppier number, and then I've got this. Um, very down tempo song which is so dirty and it talks about sex the whole time in perfect company it's like a bedroom jam like typical and then I've got this like Spanish guitar song with like Spanish Rose which is like got this like 90s R&B like Justin Timberlake sort of sound and then I'm just really trying to like play with the idea just saying like this is what you can expect from me in the album this idea which i'm gonna be playing with all sorts of r&b styles soul styles in this album um but to a bigger extent and a better extent as well in the album i think even on a budget quality is non-negotiable that's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 